0: Welcome on in ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes. Going to be joined by NASCAR drivers Kyle Larson and Matt DiBenedetto of the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. They're uh, in the middle of the NASCAR playoffs and uh, they're going to be here at Kansas Speedway just uh, down the road from us uh, later on this weekend. I'll be there. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, Glad to have both these guys with us on today's show, so uh, don't miss out on that, our uh, conversations with Kyle Larson and Matt DiBenedetto, happy to have both those guys with us today. Thomas Bridges here with me as well, and at uh, TV, exciting news, some housekeeping news to open up the show today. First and foremost, the show is now available on Spotify, so if you're listening on Spotify for the first time, we welcome you, and uh, glad to have you with us, as uh, we like to say around here. And uh, we're uh, pleased to be on there. In addition to being on uh, on Google Play and iTunes and SoundCloud, a lot of different la- ways to uh, listen to the Jones Report now. Tom, you don't have any excuse to not be able to listen to the Jones Report now.
1: Yeah, it's everywhere now, literally. The, the last frontier, I believe now, is getting our own show on XM Radio.
0: Yes, that's the next step. Now It'll be, uh, be on Sirius XM. I, I'd be all in favor of that. Uh, also we, uh, now, uh, we got the pro account stuff. Uh, every show is going to stay up long-term, uh, from this point going forward, uh, you're going to be able to hear all of our old shows. So if you miss an episode or you want to go back and hear an older episode, those are going to be available as well. So that's also big news, Tom, that we have all these episodes on demand going forward as well.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be epic. Like we talked about before the show, there are some people that couldn't quite get around to an episode, or maybe someone that maybe some that is, is new to the show wants to go back and listen to previous shows. Uh, now that's gonna be available, so I think that's pretty huge.
0: Yeah, we're, we're glad to do it. It's it's huge. It's a big leap. We're, uh, we're glad to bring that to you here on the Jones Report going forward. And, uh, man, we have some fantastic guests today. Kyle Larson and Matt Benedetto on the show today. And we get some great interviews with both those guys. You're going to learn things about both these guys that you haven't learned before. I don't want to tell you too much. I want to wait and let you listen to it later on. But uh, both these guys had some revealing information. We had some fun with both these guys, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to them. So we got a big weekend here at uh, Kansas Speedway. It's the elimination race for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoffs uh, in the round of eight. Uh, they're going to cut the field uh, from 12 to 8 this uh, weekend so big race and some uh big interviews on today's show uh getting uh getting both uh Kyle and uh, Matt on the show today Tom
1: yeah it's it's pretty awesome to uh have the one and only Axel Larson on uh you know that's you know Matt Benedetto that's you know he's he's a cool guy too I'm not I'm not gonna just exclude him out just for the sake that we have Axel Larson on the show, but. here lately, some pretty big NASCAR names, so if anybody out there is NASCAR, this is a great time to be a uh, Tyler Jones fan uh, if you are also a NASCAR fan because here lately, that's been uh, cash money.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, we had Eric Almarola on a couple weeks ago, and you can hear that interview. And Eric just won at Talladega, Tom, so you know, I interviewed Kevin Harvick before he won at Kansas, interviewed Eric Almarola, and then he wins at Talladega, so... Based on our luck, uh, either Kyle or Matt is going to win this weekend at Kansas.
1: Yeah, no joke that. And then the next following week, it'll be either uh, you know it'll be either Matt
0: or uh, Axe Larson. Yeah, it'll be one of those two. So we we bring good luck. So if you come on the Jones Report, you're setting yourself up to succeed. Uh, you're you're in good shape uh, coming out on this show. So we're, we're glad to have uh, some great guests on with us. And, uh, and like we said, uh, you can go on demand now and listen to episodes uh, dating back, uh, who knows when, going forward. So that's a great stuff. iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify going forward with the uh, Jones Report. How about this, Tom? So one of the things that you're not going to see at Kansas Speedway this weekend, I had never heard of this, I just found this out, is that Peanuts are not good at, uh, at racetracks. So there's a big superstition dating back to Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty and Cale Yarborough and those guys that Peanuts are bad luck. That the only times that they've had Peanuts at races, there's been some pretty nasty crashes where people, where drivers died. Um, so much so that Richard Childress, if he sees anybody with Peanuts at a racetrack, will ask them to throw it away um, he won't let peanut companies sponsor his race cars and such. To me, I, I think that's that's ridiculous. I mean, this is like this is like the uh, unwritten rules of baseball of some sorts. Peanuts and auto racing don't go together, apparently.
1: I mean, I guess not. I didn't know that. I mean, that's that's pretty superstitious there. But you now, again, it's interesting. What about Kyle Busch? He drive you know the yellow M M&M and M car. Those are the peanut M and Ms. What's up with that?
0: And he's doing pretty well.
1: There you go. See what I mean, right?
0: Um, is, is that the exception? There is it. If it's in candy, it doesn't count. Ooh, uh, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, maybe Richard Childress would win more races if uh, if he did get the uh, the peanuts involved. I mean, if you had
1: a, if you had a payday car, or I mean, lots of candy has nuts in them. I mean, if you you know. What about Reese's that's made of peanut butter, uh, Butterfinger peanut butter? Right. Uh, there's a lot of different candies with peanuts in them, so does that just exclude candy? I've seen, you know, a couple candy cars.
0: I I like peanuts. I have no problem with peanuts, Tom.
1: No, you know, if I was just at the race, just as a fan, I would that would not be my first choice. Mine would be a cold bush latte.
0: Bush Latte. And, uh, no, no,
1: uh, no, not really. It would be a local beer from around whatever track I was at, um, and probably a pizza. Honestly,
0: a pizza. There you go. I, I would. It, it's surprising about this with the uh, the peanuts being so superstitious with NASCAR, that you're not going to find them at the Speedway because it seems Tom that it would be so easy to just eat peanuts at a NASCAR race that it'd be so fitting. And just spit them out and
1: be done with them. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, do they have anything against sunflower seeds too? Is that a, does that go beyond that? You know, anything in a shell that you would crack open and eat? Is that?
0: This superstition is exclusive to peanuts.
1: I would rather have sunflower seeds at a race over peanuts anyway, so they can keep their peanuts. I'm, I'm, completely fine. The only time, you know, that I really eat peanuts from the shell would be at, uh, like, Texas Roadhouse or Logan's or, you know, whatever one of those chain steakhouses is that has the peanuts in the front. Right. I mean, that's really... The, so I don't you're not going to the gonna be the
0: old man that has the jar of peanuts in the living room? No, no. Don't get me wrong. I like cashews a lot.
1: Okay. Nothing, not, nothing is better than, like, some cashews like salt and pepper cashews oh my don't even get me started cashews
0: okay uh I, I always fan. thought mr planter was a great mascot i used you, th- you would think so has he been no
2: he's
1: not been on a nascar before has he i don't think so i think a mr planter car would be awesome i think it would be too that, that would, would appeal be. to
0: their market too
1: i think so that would be i'm surprised actually that that hasn't happened
0: yeah, I think that would be just perfect. A, a Mr. Planner car uh, would be just go a long way. It would be beautiful to see a Mr. Planner's car. My grandpa would literally, I kid you not, Tom, would uh, just sit in the living room all the time with his big old jar of Planner's peanuts, you know, his little can, and uh, they were like in every corner of the house. Those were a must.
1: You know, I'm also surprised we haven't, you know, hasn't been on a NASCAR yet. And maybe it has, I haven't watched it, like a Monopoly-themed car, Mr. Moneybags.
0: Especially, like, during McDonald's Monopoly or something?
1: Yeah, you know, I haven't ever seen it. If they had, like, the car wrapped in, like, the board, like, in the back corner right of, of the tail of the car, there would be, like, go to jail and, like, you know, like, in Monopoly, you pass, go, you collect
0: $200. What if NASCAR you had Monopoly passes. sponsor a race, and then if you crash like the garage is jail and like you know victory lane you get like some houses or something
1: yeah see wouldn't that be incredible or like each you know they do the playoffs like the the waves
0: yes you know
1: yeah and so every time you get to put like a house on whatever you know whatever street if you finish first in the first wave or whatever and then maybe throughout the race i don't know like uh they roll the dice and hell i don't know this is, we could go on for days of this you roll like the dice and if you roll a certain one like it, they do it like i don't know how they would do it bring it to each little nascar pit and uh roll the dice and then maybe if you're like a lap down you get to play like a chance card that automatically puts you on the lead lap oh that'd be amazing oh could you imagine your your driver's down like two laps and you know, no chance there, you know, to come back or do anything really or however many laps down. You draw a chance card and you automatically get put on the lead lap. I mentioned McDonald's Monopoly. Did you hear they got rid of it this year? I didn't. You know, I went to McDonald's the other day and I s I on the cup that I received, there was like a almost like a chance game or
0: yeah, it's like some Halloween game this year. Apparently, there was some big scandal involving M- M- McDonald's Monopoly.
1: Oh, I'm sure. That
0: someone's worked their way around it, but I'll, I liked I su- am surprised to it pieces. took this long for a McDonald's Monopoly scandal.
1: Oh, yeah, that's pretty surprising because anybody could, like, recreate a piece. Right? I mean, it's, it has to be done. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, uh, that, that was... Not surprising. Uh, the surprising part was just the timing of it. But, uh, I mean, that, that to me, it, it, it's so easy that the fact that it took this long is what's, uh, what's wild in, in this process. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, Tom, uh, the NBA season is a starting as we're recording this. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this much. You know, the Warriors obviously are the favorites. And it feels like we are all relying on the Celtics. As the only possible team that could take down the Warriors, uh, assuming that you know Boogie Cousins is good to go and everything, the Celtics are the only team capable of taking down the Warriors. And the sad part about all that, Tom, is that we're all relying on and hoping that the Celtics can do it, and yet the team that we're relying on and hoping that they can do it is the most winning <laughs> is the winningest franchise in NBA history. I mean, like, if Boston wins it, then it's like, oh, well, the rich get richer. Uh, I mean, like, to me, that's kind of sad that that's the state of the NBA right now, that we're all relying on Boston to be that team, and yet, like, they're still the Boston freaking Celtics.
1: Yeah, it is pretty sad, honestly. Uh, you know, I think it is, as much as this pains me to even say, as much as it even pains me to even say, I'm not counting out the Toronto Raptors
2: really not doing
1: it now that they have Kawhi. if he's healthy i've already i know how good Kawhi is i watched him for too long and i'm still buttered over it but uh i think he's twice not twice the player demar derozan is but i would much rather have Kawhi on any given day than demar derozan uh i say that and i already have a derozan jersey but that said, I think Toronto could give the Celtics a run for their money. Like you know, I don't think a thirty-three-year-old
0: Kyle. Of who, can I don't think a thirty-three-year-old Kyle Lowry is a good enough number two option to compete for a title.
1: Well, maybe not. But I think Kawhi Leonard could potentially beat the Celtics one-handed, single-handedly. No, you don't. I think I think collectively, with Kawhi on that team, they could beat the Celtics. Really. I really do. Really, really. I think Kawhi's a
0: top three player when he's healthy. That's the other question Factor is this, is uh, how, how healthy is Kawhi? Do we think that he's going to be okay? Potentially. Uh, I mean, word the word's still out on
1: Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Yeah. You know, with the stress of 82 games, uh, how many games are they going to be able to play? Is Brad Steven going to manage minutes if he has it, you know, Kind of wrapped up in the Eastern Conference, they don't have to worry about LeBron anymore. It really comes down to, it, it comes down to the Celtics and the Raptors in the Eastern Conference. I mean, let's be real, uh, barring any injuries, that's potentially the two teams we're going to see one and two, uh, you know, without any major injuries. I, that's what I think, but I could be completely wrong, and we could see, uh, you know, we could see the Indiana Pacers make a run or. Uh, maybe the Washington Wizards, that's kind of stretching it there, but God knows. Uh, I mean, NBA season is a long season, uh, and, and really to say anything right up front at the beginning of the season is kind of besides the Warriors, obviously winning it to say anything before that is just, you know, kind of like college football, preseason rankings doesn't really mean anything. Uh, we don't really know really anything until it gets to the all-star break in my opinion.
0: I feel like, as of right now, the Warriors are on one pedestal, the Celtics are on another, and then everyone else, there's a big drop-off after that. Yeah, I would say the Rockets, Celtics, and the Raptors are in the
1: second tier below the Warriors. Really? Oh, I mean, the Lakers, maybe. I don't, I don't know. The Warriors, I, don't I don't even know. think...
0: Uh, see, now you bring up the Lakers. I'm not... Sold on this Lakers team as is. I don't. I, I think they'll make changes. No, I'm not sold. Yet. I'm not but sold. I yet. don't think that they're better than Oklahoma City or Utah right now. I mean, you got to put Utah in there. I think Utah.
1: I think I don't know. Utah is one of those teams that could knock anybody off, but get to the Western Conference Final.
0: Yeah. Um, I also think Denver is going to surprise some people and do really well this year.
1: I think so too, and and. Man, that hurts. Because <laughs> that means all these other Western Conference teams, that doesn't leave very many spots for my Spurs. But uh, this might be the year the playoff streak ends. Uh, and that's another big storyline. Is this it? Is this where it ends with all the injuries already? We're minus DeJounte Murray for the whole season. Uh, Lonnie Walker, our first-round pick, is out for six weeks. Uh, and who else got hurt? I can't see. Too many injuries. Somebody else got hurt. Oh, Derek White is also out, so we're going to start Bryn Forbes at the point guard position and back up Patty Mills. That's just terrible.
0: Well, well, they are. You're not.
1: Oh, we are. I put too much into this team. I, I, I feel like I feel like I've damaged my this team has damaged my liver too many times. I feel like it's like venom. Like, you know, this, this symbiotic relationship. I feel like Greg Popovich has like slipped something in my drink and now I become like you're the one, ghost. The go, the ghost of Tim, one the within. ghost of
0: Tim Duncan. Yes. Um, with Oklahoma City, you know, obviously they're already starting out the year a little banged up. Russell Westbrook and, uh, you know, Steven Adams missed opening night. Andre Oberson's not going to be available till December. Oklahoma City, I think, you know, the main thing is just have everybody healthy. That's going to be the main, main goal before anything else. But I like the addition of Schroeder. Uh, I think that. You know, Grant and Patterson getting more minutes is going to go a long way. Uh, you know, Mello was just such a cancer to this team last year and brought them so far down. Adding minutes into Grant in particular, I think is going to be huge for this team. And Patterson will improve, but I think Grant in particular is going to be a big piece. I, I think this team is going to go as far as, basically. Oh, let me rephrase that. A key to the Thunder' success is going to be how much Jermaine Grant develops. If he blossoms and turns into a quality starting big man in this league, then the Thunder lookouts are going to be possibly good enough to be the number two team in the Western Conference. If he doesn't, if he is just about what he is, and they get the minutes out of him and Patterson, then I think this is about a four or five seed team in the Western Conference. But, Tom, I think that with giving more time, the Patterson and Grant, and then Schroeder in that rotation, I am telling you, I think this Oklahoma City team is going to be much improved once they are healthy, all put together. This Oklahoma City team, I think, is going to be one of the top three teams in the Western Conference, maybe even the second-best team in the Western Conference, if they can get healthy because uh, the pieces, I think, are there. Uh, I mean, this is the best team we've seen in uh, in in a while with Oklahoma City. Yeah, that is very true, and, and I think it will come down to Billy Donovan's
1: coaching. Uh, if the whole team stays healthy, it, you know, he's going to be matched up against Luke Walton, or, or he'll be matched up against D'Antoni and uh, Steve Kerr. So, I think he is the final wave that would limit this team. Uh, I think he's got enough under his belt now, though, that he might not, and if everybody can stay healthy. Uh, I think a successful season would be making it to the second round. Uh, I think their top tier would be Western Conference Finals.
0: Uh, yeah, I think a successful season for this team is, is winning a playoff series. Getting out of the first round. Right. Yeah, you can't lose in the first round three straight years then there's yeah, going to be some major coaching job yeah yeah then you can't then there's going to be major question marks about what you do going forward uh if it's time to you know change up you know with that roster sure make some massive changes cuz you you just can't lose really three.
1: not even massive changes
0: if they lose in the
1: first round is we're we're way over speculating and I don't care it's NBA and it's back finally if they don't win the first round is Billy Donovan gone
0: 100%
1: yeah i'd imagine so
0: yeah I would think that's the case. Uh, But Oklahoma City, I think, has the ability to scare some people. I really like the Schroeder addition. But here's one thing I'll add to that. Here's a concern I have. Schroeder is a true point guard. He's not a shooting guard at all. Um, He is a more traditional point guard in the purest form. Very good defender, too. My concern is, you know, Russell Westbrook has to have his minutes, and he's best when he has the ball in his hands. How much are you going to be able to play them both at the same time? And Because I mean, they want Schroeder to be the sixth man, and he's accepted that role. He's willing to be the sixth man. But how are you going to make that work to get the minutes that Schroeder and Westbrook both need but still be efficient and uh, try to work out with both of them on the floor? I think that's a bigger concern than people – uh, are bringing up. I think that might be an issue, and it could take a while for the this uh, Thunder team, especially under Billy Donovan, to figure that out.
1: You know, I like the addition of Schroeder. He, he plays very aggressive. He's very, almost can get hot-headed at times, but I really do uh, think that he'll be a great addition to this Oklahoma City Thunder team. I think uh, Westbrook and him will kind of maybe work through maybe some initial troubles to see what fits. Uh, and then go from there. But I, I don't see any problems, any major problems arising from this. I think Schroeder obviously knows uh, his place on this team. I think he's one of those players that accepts his role uh, and knows that he's not going to come in and, and be the guy maybe that he was in Atlanta. Uh, I, I think that's just uh, a fair case of logic dealt his way. Uh, he gets to go from a shit uh, Atlanta team to a team that could compete for a championship. Uh, and and a guy like Schroeder, I think, understands that. And and so I I really don't see uh, maybe after the initial chemistry test that the Thunder will eventually go through. I I'd, I'd say by November he'll fit right in.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. Well, uh, we'll we'll see if that's the case. But uh, I I like Schroeder like everything I've seen from him so far. Uh, but I I think the chemistry issue might be there for a while, especially considering this Thunder team. And I think Melo was a big part of this had a lot of chemistry issues a year ago. So that's going to be a big factor in uh, this team. I think it's going to, you know, might take some time, get everybody healthy to figure out where these uh, guys belong. Uh, season predictions, then we're going to get to an NBA edition of who he played for coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, but before we do that, uh, season predictions here. Obviously, I like the Warriors to win it all, but uh, I think the Celtics get there. I think they make it close. I think the Celtics are capable of, of making this a six or seven game series, uh, but I like the Warriors don't to win the title uh, just too much. Um, I, I thought this was really going to be the Celtics' year, and then DeMarcus Cousins ends up showing up at, at Golden State for this discount you know that, that he got, uh, that discount rate and such. Uh, I, Golden State's going to be too much. I'm going to go with them to win the title. I know, big shock, uh, but I think... I think Boston is is going to be a team that's going to look really good. They're the future of the league. They have a great foundation there. They're going to win sixty games, uh, between fifty five and sixty, I think. But uh, I think ultimately Golden State is going to be too much, and they'll win another title. Who you got, Tom?
1: You know, what, probably so.
0: Um,
1: it's it's obviously at the beginning of the season you have to pick Golden State, but injuries do happen. Uh, it is October. If I have any bit of that Golden State team me. is
0: getting older
1: too. The, you know, very. You know, Livingston is pretty getting up there. Steph Curry's 80? not as young as he once was. Hell, KD's not even young as as he once was. I'm sure he'll probably still compete for the MVP. But uh, with, with that said, injuries do happen. Uh, They've already happened to my Spurs. After we try to get younger and get rid of all the old people, uh, still injuries. So injuries do happen, and and they happened to Boston last year. You know, any game can be the game where your star player goes down. Now, I'm not necessarily wishing any bad <laughs> on the Warriors, per se, uh, but things like that can derail a season. It happened Oklahoma City many a times. Kevin Durant got injured, boom. Next season, Westbrook injured, done. Uh, so it can't happen, uh, and it can happen to anybody, and, and the Warriors not exclude from that. So right now, everybody healthy, assuming everybody's healthy, and, and you know, if we turned off the no injuries uh, on the league, like you can on 2K, then yeah, I'm going to pick the Warriors. But until the All Star break, I, th- I think it's really anybody between uh, the Warriors, uh, the Rockets, maybe even the Thunder, in in Toronto and the Celtics.
0: Okay, uh, MVP. I, I got to go with LeBron. I know, I, I know, I'm going with the easy answers here. But what's different between LeBron in Cleveland and Miami? You know, th- those Lebrons compared to now is. LeBron doesn't have much help with him in, in Los Angeles. It was his choice. Um, if, of course it was. But I think LeBron is going to be asked to do a whole lot there in L.A. He is going to be carrying this team on his back like he hasn't had to do in uh, quite some time. I mean, he's obviously been the best player on, on these teams his entire career. But this is he's got quite the work cut out for him of carrying a team Compared to what he's had in the past, if you thought last year was bad, uh, I think this is even worse of, of the team that he's got. And you know, compared, you know, this is a historically bad team around LeBron. Um, you know, they're, they'll make the playoffs; they'll be a, somewhere between a four and eight seed. But I think that he's going to be asked to do so much that he'll put up the MVP numbers, and he'll he should get it done. I like LeBron to win the MVP, um, and this might be. The last MVP caliber season of LeBron James. It might be, uh, because eventually Father Time's got to catch up, and you, you got to slow down and such. Um, you know, I mean, he, he'll still be playing at an All Star level, I think, for for many years. But this might be the last year, Tom, where LeBron is the best player in the NBA. I think he's going to go all out for this first year in LA, and I like him to win the MVP.
1: Tyler Jones, you're going to say that this is the last. MVP caliber season of LeBron James that's a pretty hot take LeBron James takes the best care of his body probably better than any athlete in, in all of sports I'm not gonna say that he's gonna you know not I'm not gonna say he's not gonna be as good as he was maybe this year or next year but to say that he's not gonna be in the MVP conversation next year to me would be absurd I think he's I think he's still got this year, next year, and, and maybe the third year, maybe two years from right now, uh, in his third, what would be his third season in L.A., uh, would be maybe his year that he slips a little bit. I think he's, he's still too good. He's still too dominant. Uh, everybody in the league respects how good he is.
0: Look at the guys I mean, he was drafted with, though. D. Wade, Carmelo. I mean, those guys hit the wall hard. I mean, LeBron is due to fall off a little bit within a year. Or two.
1: Maybe, but we're talking about arguably the best player ever. Those are two Hall of Famers as well. Yeah, but are they as good as – okay, who – okay, in the draft class, when you drafted O 3 let's just take a quick look. Yeah. Let's just take this a quick look. And then
0: Chris Bosch as well. I mean, he, he retired. You know, Well, I mean, ago. he has a heart condition. Sure. He doesn't count. Sure, but I mean, his body still broke down, you know. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I would say, but that's beside the point. We're, we're talking about who's going to win the MVP. I know you're trying well, to. Well, no,
1: I, I, I get that. I would say LeBron is obviously up there, but that also brings another thing. So you got LeBron, Carmelo obviously is trash now. Uh, Nick Collison obviously is long gone. David West retired. Boris Diaz just retired. Barbosa, I don't think is in the league anymore. Dante Jones is in the league anymore. But the
0: question is, who you think is going to win the MVP?
1: Okay, I'd say Kevin Durant or LeBron James. Uh, I don't think I don't think James Harden's going to do it again. Um, Westbrook, we'll see how long he's out. If Westbrook can lead this team uh, to the second seed, uh, I know he has Paul George on his team to help him. I know that, and. And maybe some other, you know, new additions like Nerlens Noel might not do too, you know, might not do that much. But if he can put up some bigger numbers now that they've kind of maybe, you know, got one season under the belt and kind of figured this thing out, I think he's going to be an MVP conversation. But I think ultimately, obviously, it comes down to Kevin Durant and LeBron James, and that's the way it's been for a couple seasons.
0: I'll say this one more thing too. One thing to think about: the MP- MVP voting has been. Kind of skewed. Think about last year. There's no reason why Russell Westbrook or LeBron James should have not been the MVP last year. James Harden did not have a better regular season than LeBron or Russell Westbrook last year. He didn't. Um, I mean, LeBron and Russ were better than him in almost every category last year. So, to me... That's where I wonder with this MVP stuff. A guy like LeBron, for example, where the voters may say, "Yeah, he's won it too many times. We're not going to give it to him again," because that's what it appeared like last year. James Harden had no business winning that award over Russ or uh, or or LBJ.
1: So you think I know? Okay, I can I can agree with that. Uh, But so you're what you're saying, and I think I can agree with this if I'm I'm getting what you're getting at. Is they kind of just rotate like, okay, well LeBron. Russ has his, you know, KD has his, Steph Curry, you know, what? A yada, yada, yada. So you're saying they're just kind of like, okay, well, it's James Harden's turn now to
0: win it. Oh, that happened, uh, you look back in the 2000s decade. They didn't want to give, uh, oh, uh, Steve Nash three straight MVPs, and they gave it to Dirk one year when Steve had a much better season.
1: Okay, that, yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, it is, at the end of the day, Uh, at the end of the day, and and I think it's going to change here soon again where we're going to see 16, the best 16 teams win. I think they'll eliminate conferences uh, for the sole fact of entertainment purposes. And I think that's just kind of what it comes down to, that with the money involved in it, they say it's a player's league, but at the end of the day, you know, the NBA is in the game to make money, not, you know, just to reward maybe the players who might be more deserving. And I think we're going to see a change, if I haven't mentioned it already, uh, that we're going to go to the best 16 teams in the league making the playoffs and not just the conference's top eight. Uh, I think that's only fair, and I, I think the NBA will realize that eventually if they're not already considering it, uh, which I'm sure they are, that for entertainment purposes, this is what we should switch to uh, because for the NBA, I think they've built – themselves on you know maybe not being too routine so for the warriors to keep winning they're gonna have to you know for them to not keep winning like they've been winning they'll switch something up eventually uh and it'll move on to a new dynasty or a new time it was you know the lakers for a while then the spurs uh and then after the spurs heat deal went down as far as like lebron's big decision uh then we saw uh, the whole new storyline, the whole new saga of Kate, Kevin Durant moving and going on from the Thunder to the Warriors. And now we see the Warriors in Cleveland. Uh, the NBA is built almost like a soap opera. Uh, and it, it really makes – and we could talk about this forever. It really makes you think that somewhere down the line, is it rigged? Is it built on stories? And, and yes, of course it's built on stories. That's how the league – that's how the NBA has grown so much because – Every soft so and or every little, I don't know. There's a timeline, in the in the league's almost built just to be around that work. Something, 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 big thing, and then everybody and everything in between, and then another big thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a. Oh, I don't even want to call. It, like, If you ever watched American Horror Story? Each season is built on something different. We get something big like lebron going to the lakers and then we get the storyline from that and when that's fizzled out we get another season we get something new dropped into the mix and so it it is to your point saying that russ or lebron deserve was more deserving of the mvp and they went ahead and gave it to harden that almost adds to that point that the nba focuses on big storylines to draw viewers in because it is an entertainment league. Right, uh, I mean, there the, is the Rockets thing, get the one they,
0: seed, so all the attention's on Harden. Harden wins the league. Yeah, I think it's a great point. The NBA does a better job of marketing its stars than any other league in professional sports or any other you know sporting league for that matter at all uh, in the in, in America. Uh, they do a great job of that, and I, I think one of the you know, TNT best-
1: TNT's broadcast team. They've got it. It's a brilliant, really a brilliant business plan.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that the best example of that is look at NBA Twitter. NBA Twitter is so great. Um, I mean, the NFL. NBA
1: Reddit, if you haven't been on the Reddit, is amazing.
0: The The NFL may be the ratings king. The NFL may be the ratings king because, you know, obviously they do better than anything else, you know, with the viewers they're getting. Um, I mean, just this past weekend, they had great numbers for uh, that Sunday night football game between the Chiefs and the Patriots, and that 1 o'clock window on Fox and CBS was outstanding numbers-wise. I mean, the NFL may be where the ratings are at, but where the player interaction is and the social media is uh, in Twitter. I mean, just a couple days, you know, with the NBA starting, I saw some brilliant things the last couple days. Somebody took uh, Kawhi Leonard's creepy laugh and turned it into uh, the NBA on NBC theme. (laughs) And it was amazing. I saw that. Just brilliant. Oh, just hilarious. Just outstanding. And, and just another one I saw was uh, Bleacher Report uh, took uh, the took NBA's uh, top figures and uh, and had them as, as if they were the characters from the uh, show Recess. Uh, I mean, just amazing. Just hilarious. You're not seeing that stuff in other sports. The NBA does such a good job of marking its players like in no other league can uh, compare
1: to that. Yeah, and it is. They also do the Game of Zones compared to the Game of Thrones in the playoff startup. Uh, they have so many different stories running at any given time that there's literally not a dead time in the NBA. There's literally not one big storyline that's not going on at any given time. There's always a story, uh, and it, hell, it works out great for the media that covers the NBA uh, because there's always content. There's always content. It's never like – I feel like baseball uh, gets very boring. In the middle of the summer, it's like, okay, what else can we, you
0: know, what else can we milk this? How else can we milk this? You never have to milk the NBA. No. And, and baseball has become a regional sport. The NBA, not so much. I mean, you could turn on the NBA at any time, and it feels like that uh, that's a big deal, that you're going to see those stars at any time, that every game – is uh, important to some degree. Uh, I mean, we, we know who's going to win the whole thing, but every game is exciting uh, in the NBA, it seems. Uh, before we get to our great interviews with uh, Kyle Larson and uh, Matt DiBenedetto, it's a time to play another edition of uh, Who He Play For. This time, it's an uh, NBA version. Uh, Thomas and I are going to quiz each other, and uh, we're going to have a score at the end. And we each have an extra name, possibly for a tiebreaker, if necessary. So uh, we will go ahead and uh, get started on uh, this edition of Who We Play For. Tom, uh, you care to explain the rules, how this all works.
1: So in the past, and we kind of stumbled upon playing this game, but Tyler and I would come across a player, and I'm like, hey, you know, who did he play for? And and I was – who was it? It was Travis Kelsey that I guessed, right? And then it was uh, – it was what's his name from the Steelers, that young receiver. Uh, who was that?
0: Uh, was it uh, Juju smith juster
1: No, it's the white guy.
0: Oh yes. Um, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, carry on. We talked. Yeah, we talked about. I guess North Carolina.
1: Travis Kelsey. I, I don't even know who I guess there, but I got to write some out. Uh, and so we kind of stumbled upon this. So basically, it's how it's going to work is Jones is going to be giving me a player and then tell me what college you played for and I have to guess the NBA team That and was then I'll Ryan turn around Switzer by it, the way player. Who was
0: it? Ryan Switzer
1: Ah that's right um, Yes so that's kind of how it's going to work I'll give a player in the college Jones will try to guess it and he'll do the same for me and then we'll go from there
0: All right, Jones. So- I'll
1: let you do the honors I'll let you go first
0: Okay so we got five names each and uh, if we're still tied we'll uh, continue with uh, another one so here we go. All right, Tom. And we have not seen these names, either one of us. So, uh, and we'll give the name and where they went to college is kind of a little hint uh, of some sort. So here we go, Tom. First one for you. Um, Fred Van Vliet. He uh, was a star at Wichita State, had a, a big career, played alongside Ron Baker, and uh, he's in the NBA now. I've uh, been there for a, a little while now. Where does Fred Van Vliet play for? Who he played for? Where
1: would you say he went to college at?
0: Wichita State, the Shockers. Oh.
1: oh, that's right. I almost came across this one. And I was like, no, no, no. Because I knew you would know. Oh, my God. Give me a second. Can we do a no, – no, I don't want to do that.
2: Oh, Van
1: Vliet. It, I almost want to say the Wizards, but is it the Wizards?
2: Is
0: that your guess?
1: That's going to be my guess. It's either the Wizards or the Raptors.
0: I'm going to go with the Wizards. Your second guess would have been correct. It was the Raptors, not the Wizards. So that's an X yes. to start out for you. It was, uh, it was the Raptors. You know, he's having a pretty decent career for the uh, the Raptors. Uh, he was a second round pick, and uh, he's playing pretty well. All right, your turn, Tom.
1: All right, I'll give you uh, Willie Hernan Gomez from Spain.
0: Willie Hernan Gomez from Spain. Um, I have no idea, I'll be honest, who Willie Hernan Gomez is from Spain. Um, I'm going to give you the X. I'm going to give you the X,
1: but he used to play for the Knicks. No, I haven't
0: guessed. I haven't guessed yet. Oh, I thought you said you had no
1: idea. Okay, well, you can X out the Knicks.
0: Okay, so he's not – I mean, I'm going to guess still. Uh, I don't know who he is, but he used to play for the Knicks. Apparently, he's a European. Um, I'll say that he plays uh, plays for. Let's go with the uh, the Grizzlies.
1: Oh, that's a good guess. That is a good guess. He he plays for another color blue team. He plays for the Hornets.
0: Ooh, okay. So we're both all one. We both don't know who guys play for. far. All right. Next one on this list, Tom. Uh, this guy plays. Uh, he played for the University of North Carolina, UNC. Uh, his name is uh, John Howard. Who who he play for? John Howard.
1: Who that's a tough one. I I really don't know. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say uh, I'm gonna say the
0: Magic. The Magic is your guess, and that would be incorrect. He plays for the Bucks. Oh, you're zero for two.
1: That's tough. All right, I'll give you another one. Um, all right, let me see. All right, Spencer Dinwiddie plays for color plays
0: for Colorado. Spencer Dinwiddie? Oh, this is another one I'm gonna have to go out on a limb. I have no idea who Spencer Dinwiddie plays for. I didn't. I didn't know him until
1: Reddit mentioned him the other day.
0: Okay. Um, you know what? Let's uh, let's go with. Uh, I, I just got this urge to go with them. I'm gonna go with the Pistons.
1: That's, that would be a good guess, but it is the Nets.
0: Nets. Okay. Uh, so we're 0 for, we're both zero for two. Not a good start, Tom. We're not we're not off to a good start. Um, next one. Uh, this guy. He uh, he played for the Dukies uh, from Duke. Uh, Frank Jackson. Who does Frank Jackson play for?
1: Frank Jackson.
0: Who he played for? That
1: is just such a just a a name. That nobody knows. So That's generic. Most, so is what'd you say? So generic. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson. I'm gonna go with the Atlanta
0: Hawks. Uh it is a bird, but not a hawk. That would be the Pelicans who we play. Oh my god. But a good try. Alright. Let's see if somebody can get on the board here. My turn. Who are we going with?
1: All right, we will go with, uh, hmm, this is tough. I don't want to give you this one because I feel like this is too easy, but uh, I'll give you this one.
0: Mike Muscala played for Bucknell. Mike Muscala played for Bucknell. Ooh. Um, Mike Muscala. I, I, I want to go, let's see. You know what, Mike Muscala, I'll, I'll say he plays for uh, the Bucks.
1: No. Ooh, he does boss. not. He plays for the 76ers. 76ers,
0: okay. So we are both uh, struggling here. We're both 0 for 3 with two more to go. Uh, not good, Tom, not good.
1: No, it's not.
0: This is tough, though. This is. This is, uh, and here we are. You know, We, we insulted uh, Charles Barkley for how bad he did on this game, and now we're in about the same boat here. All right, Tom. Um, this guy, he was a star at Kentucky, had a really good career there. Uh, Tyler Uless. Tyler Euless. Oh,
1: my name, God. Tyler Euless. I feel like it's an Eastern Conference team. I could be very wrong. Tyler Uless.
0: Oh, let me think.
1: I feel like it's an Eastern Conference team. It's not Western Conference because I don't think the Spurs play them a whole lot. Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference. I'm going to say, oh, God. Oh, God. I'm going to say the Pacers.
0: Good guess, but uh, that is incorrect. He the Chicago Bulls. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I'm getting
1: close regionally
0: Right? I feel like that's what we're doing each time. Uh, Um, All right. Uh, All right. We're down to one more. Uh, Tom, who are you going to give me this time?
2: I'm
1: going to give you Quincy Pondexter, play for Washington.
0: Quincy Pondexter. Oh, my goodness. I know I've heard him before, I've seen him play. Um, Quincy Pondexter. I want to say Brooklyn.
1: Is that your final guess?
0: That's my final guess.
1: no, he plays for the Spurs.
0: Oh, my gosh. I went 0 for 5. All right, Tom. You can win it right here, or we can uh, be tied at 0, 0 and 5. Uh, here we go. Um, I- I'm going to give you uh, Rodney Magruder from K-State.
1: Rodney Magruder from K-State. He's a rookie?
0: No, no, no. He- he's been in the league for a couple years now.
1: Gruder. I feel like I know this one. I feel like I came across him and I almost put him on there. I know this one. I know it. It's the freaking Heat.
0: Oh my gosh, you got that one right. I knew it. Yeah,
1: because they just played the Spurs. That's oh the only my Spurs gosh, I watched all year. Oh, uh, <laughs> all
0: right. Well, you win that's this. The first,
1: that's the only first preseason game I've watched. <laughs> Dad coming. Oh my goodness. Uh I'll give you one more. I'll give you like a redemption one. Okay. That was unlucky. That's literally the only game I've watched all preseason for the Spurs. I'll give you one I'll give you one of my easy ones.
0: Okay.
1: The ones that I could I could have well, there's one that I couldn't have gotten, but I won't give you that I'll give you I'll give you the easiest one that I have here. Uh Michael Bridges. Michael played Brid- for Nova.
0: Played for Villanova. I remember Michael Bridges in Villanova. Um... I bet you do. <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't remind me. Uh, Michael Bridges. Yeah, KU's not had a lot of luck against Villanova lately. Um, and they're going to play him again here in uh, just a couple of months. Not what I wanted to be reminded of. Um, I am going to go Michael Bridges. Um, let's see. Uh, he got
1: drafted by one team and then got traded. traded. He got traded. He got drafted by the 76ers and his mom was so happy and then literally the
0: next Hour, he got traded. Oh, um, didn't he uh, didn't he end up with the Kings? Mm, I believe that was his brother. Oh, what, what was it?
1: It was the Suns.
0: The Suns, yes, that's right, that's right. All right, so that did was did you bad. have or did
1: you have any other players?
0: Uh, I got one more for you. All
1: right, I'll, I got a couple more for you, and we'll just run through them just real quick. Okay. You give me your
0: um. This guy had a great college career. Uh, won a national championship at UConn. LeBron wanted him, but uh, didn't end up coming with it. But uh, LeBron didn't end up coming with him to Miami. Is it? Surprise Napier? Napier, yes. He plays for the Nets. That's correct. Ding, ding, ding.
1: I'm glad you didn't give me that one. That would have been too easy. Uh, right. uh, OK, so Anthony
0: Tolliver played for Creighton. Anthony Tolliver. I feel like I just heard this name somewhere too. Let's see. Big tall down. Anthony Tolliver. Tell me where he played college again. Creighton. Creighton. That's right. Creighton. Um, let me guess. How about how about the Timberwolves? Ding ding. Okay, you got one. I got one on the board. Yes. <laughs> okay. I think I think now we're good. Now that I got one on the board, I think we can we can call this a day.
1: All right, okay. Uh, Zaza Pachulia, that's the one I was going to give you that was easy, but maybe not so easy. Zaza.
0: Um, so, let's see. is not with the uh, Warriors anymore. Um, I thought
1: I was wrong.
0: Or is he with the Warriors still?
1: No, he's not. Okay. I thought he retired. And then I came across him when I was scrolling down through Rocks, Still, um, another Spurs
0: player. What about uh, what about the Pistons?
1: That's right. Hey,
0: there we go. All right, so I ended. We got off to a very rough start and ended strong. I'll take it.
1: That's right. That was fun. We that ought to play. That.
0: We yeah. ought to play that again. We ought to play that like once a month. We would. We we ought to. Well, uh, that game will make another appearance. Uh, coming up next, it's uh, our interviews with Kyle Larson, as well as uh, Matt. De Benedetto here on the uh, Jones Report on the other side. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome into the program the driver, the number forty-two, Credit One Bank Chip Canassi Chevy. It is uh, Kyle Larson who is uh, with us right now. Kyle, thanks for the time. What's uh, what's happening today, man? Eleventh uh, at Talladega on a Sunday. But it was nice to just get out of there.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice anytime you go to Talladega, not getting a crash, but. Um still, you know, lost some points. So, um, you know, now we move on to Kansas and we're in a must-win situation. So, um, you're ready, ready to get there and uh, try and get a win. It's been a, a good track for us in the past. Um, we've contended for wins there previously. So, uh, hopefully we can get it all done this weekend.
0: You have uh two top five finishes at uh, Kansas. Uh how do you feel about your chances of uh getting that first win of the year and uh getting that first win at uh, Kansas Speedway? How do you feel about uh, possibly uh getting that uh, this weekend?
3: Uh yeah, I mean I feel like, you know, Kansas is probably one of our better tracks. I know stats might not say that, but um you know, I've won a lot of laps there. I've you know, won stages, I've challenged for wins um so we're always quick there you just gotta you go there this weekend and execute and, and uh you get it done
0: we're joined by Kyle Larson right now the driver of the number 42 credit one bank Chip Ganassi Chevy here on the uh program uh Kyle it seems like Ford and Toyota have had a leg up on a Chevy this year and you let all the Chevy drivers in wins uh last season how tough has it been this uh change over to the uh, new Camaro this year
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I I feel like our team, you know, got a good handle on it, uh, through the transition period early on in the year. Um, I feel like we, we came out strong, um, you know, maybe tapered off a little bit in the middle of the season, but I felt like before the playoffs, we, uh, got back to where we needed to be. And then, you know, even in the first round, I felt like we had a lot of speed. but, uh, for whatever reason, the, the second round, uh, we've been lacking a little bit at the couple tracks we've been to, so, um, you know. Chase Elliott, He's done a good job here recently, but uh, I feel like you know the Ganassi team had, had done a really good job with the transition through the off season for sure.
0: Kyle, uh, you're one of the uh, the biggest drivers to come out of the uh, Drive for Diversity program. Uh, tell me about your your background, man. Uh, growing up there in Elk Grove, California, as a uh, Japanese American driver, what? Tell me about uh, that background, man. Uh,
3: yeah, I'm half Japanese. My mom uh, is 100 percent Japanese. Um, she didn't grow up in Japan. I don't think she's ever been to Japan, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm half Japanese and, uh, just grew up in California racing on dirt tracks and, um, you know, was able to get to North Carolina and get signed up with Chip Ganassi Racing and then, uh, you know, spend a season in the Canaan Series with, uh, Rev Racing and the diversity program and was able to win the championship that year before, uh, moving up to full-time Xfinity in 2013. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a neat experience and uh, something that probably helped me a little bit.
2: Kyle,
0: uh, your, your passion is still in dirt racing. I know you're trying to do as many dirt races as you uh, possibly can, man. Tell me about uh, that, that love for dirt racing. That has that not gone away by any means just because you moved up to NASCAR and racing in stock cars.
3: Yeah, yeah, I love, uh, love dirt racing for sure, and... Um, You own a World Outlaws team with Shane Stewart as our driver. So uh, that's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I get to race quite a bit also, Um, you know, they're racing myself. So um, they pretty heavily involved in it and and just, you know, I just, I just love it a lot. It's, you know, very passionate for it and, and, you know, it's what I grew up doing. So try not to forget my roots.
0: That's great, Kyle, I'm originally from Tulsa, so I know all about the Chili Bowl and and uh, of course you you have been a big uh, ambassador for it, and uh, you're, you're competing about every year th- th- people don't realize how big of a deal this is. I mean this is such a huge event for the racing world, how big that Chili Bowl is and this is uh, this you, you've said in the past, this is your favorite event you do of the entire season. this measures bigger than the than the Daytona 500.
3: Yeah, it's just a, a great event. Um, I mean, anytime you can get that many competitors in one building and fans and everybody in one you know, massive building, it's pretty incredible. So um, I think I ran the Chili Bowl like 10 or 11 years or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's been an event that I always look forward to going to and um, have been really fast there and, and had a lot of really bad luck. So, um yeah, maybe this this next uh next year Tulsa will be the year that uh I can finally get it done.
0: That'd be great if uh if you're able to get it done, uh, for sure. Kyle, what are some of we know about your NASCAR schedule, what you've done, some of these big races you've won already. What are some of your favorite wins that you look back on uh throughout, you know, whether it was dirt racing or early on, what are some of those that stood out that uh, that got you you think helped elevate you to this point?
3: Oh, I think um, Probably my most special win was getting my first uh, World Outlaws win um, at my home track in Chico, California, in uh, 2011. And uh, that same year, I won a lot of big races. Um, so I won won the Gold Cup there at Chico, and then uh, I feel like the one event that really you know helped my name kind of break through in the NASCAR was uh, sweeping the uh, Eldora Four Crown. Uh we raced a midget, a silver found car and an oning split car all in the same night and uh we were able to win all three of those which really catapulted my career. Um, you know, being able to be a part of winning the, the Rolex twenty four hour race was, was also neat. Um you know, I've been fortunate to win a lot of uh pretty cool races, um, but there's still some big ones I'd like to win.
0: Kyle, uh, you look, looking back at your career, Jeff Gordon made it pretty known that he wanted you, at Hendrick Motorsports, that he wanted you there pretty badly. But you you end up staying at Chip Ganassi. Did uh, did did Was there any temptation to maybe make a move over to Hendrick, or did that ever come close to happening? Uh, anything you can tell us uh, looking back on uh, on that?
3: Uh no. I mean, you no. Know, I met with every team uh, when I first came to North Carolina, but uh, the only the only guy to offer me something, uh, was chicken assy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been very loyal to trip and extremely thankful for everything he's done for myself and my family and my career. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, I, I've never even thought about, uh, racing for another team.
0: Uh, uh, since you're there at Chip Ganassi and Chip's done, uh, you know, of course we've heard of, we all know about the success he's had in IndyCar and some of these other series, and with as much as you like to race different types of uh, uh, you know, you know, vehicles and such. Any chance that you'd want to maybe race something different for Chip? Maybe uh, you know, do do the open wheel thing, like try and run the Indy 500 or something like that for Chip? Uh, is that that been talked about at all, uh, Cal? Uh, yeah, I mean, I
3: think. You know, if I was to do anything else besides NASCAR racing for Chip, uh, it would probably be you know the Indy Five Hundred would would be pretty cool to do someday. Uh, would be neat as well, but I I don't I don't really think that works out for my schedule. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's tough. You know, you try to focus on your NASCAR as much as you can and and run an Indy. Takes up a lot of your time, you know, with all the practice days they have, and uh, you know, extra things that they have going on during that event to make it the event that it is. Takes up a lot of your time from NASCAR, so uh, you know, it's tough to, uh, tough to, tough to do it. But you know, I would like to maybe give it a try someday. Uh,
0: Kyle, uh, let, let me ask you about uh, Kansas City. I know that we we mentioned that you've had success here. Have you, you been around town much? Uh, anything uh, about Kansas and Kansas City stick out to you, man? Uh
3: no I mean I I'm looking forward to getting there this weekend um, just because the the World Outlaws race at Lakeside on Friday night so I don't get to watch my team race very often but uh you know we get a a rare opportunity to go see those guys uh race this weekend so um you know looking forward to getting there to to be a part of that and hang out and create mud or do whatever and, and hopefully be taking a victory lane uh, photo at the end of the night with Shane.
0: That would be awesome. That'd be awesome to see uh, if you're able to pull that off, and and uh, that, that's going to be special, I imagine, to be able to do all that here in uh, this weekend. All right, last question for you, Kyle. What is one thing that people don't know about Kyle Larson uh, that you can tell us? What's one thing? I know that you're you're a big public figure and everything, one of the best young drivers in the sport, but what's something that people probably don't know about Kyle?
3: Huh. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm pretty good at hula hooping. Uh, would be the thing that maybe some people don't know about me i can i mean i can't do any tricks or anything but i can i can keep it going for a long time
0: really how, how long are, are we talking about here cal
3: oh i i don't know i mean i haven't uh really tried hard and uh, since i was a little kid but i mean i could go for i mean i'm not going to say forever but i can go for a long time
0: you know, I, out of all the answers, that was not what I was expecting, but that's impressive, Kyle. <laughs> that's uh, that's cool stuff. Kyle, appreciate the time. Best of luck this weekend at uh, Kansas Speedway for uh, the Hollywood Casino 400 coming up uh, on Sunday. Looking forward to uh, seeing you out there, man. Best of luck, and uh, we'll see you then. All right, thank you. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the program, the driver number 32 Ford in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. It is Matt DiBenedetto who joins us on the program right now. Matt, what's uh, what's happening, man? Uh, we did this last year uh, in person. Now we'll talk to you over the phone, man. Uh, good to reconnect. What's happening? Oh, yeah, nothing uh,
2: much. Just some exciting times here lately and getting ready to uh, race up to Kansas this weekend.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that here in uh, just a moment, but big news for you, you're uh Headed to a Levine Family Racing uh, next year. Uh, Going to be a satellite team of a Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, that had to be some exciting news, I imagine, for uh, for you to get that to make that official last week.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. It was. Uh, it's been a stressful few months here. I made the decision to take a step back from uh, from Go Fast Racing, respectfully. Um, you know, I just knew it was time for the next step of my career, and appreciate uh, everything they've done for me. And wouldn't be here without them, but. Uh, yeah, it was just time for that step, and I took a gamble and bet on myself and to make it very well known that I was a free agent, and uh, man, I-, I was very nervous that my career could be over. Um, I-, I just knew I needed to take this risk, though, and sure enough, man, it worked out. I got the phone call from Levine Family Racing, and they're great friends of mine, and I'm really lucky to be a part of that. And Switching to Toyota, which I'm really, very familiar with, that camp, and I'm going to have in the last Racing, which is where I started my career. So it's amazing
0: how things come around full circle. Man, and uh, your career, you know, I mean, you've had some peaks and valleys and such. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, a good friend of ours both is uh, Cameron Hagan. I remember him telling me that uh, there were days that he put himself down as crew chief just to be able to pay fines possibly or stuff like that. I mean, you you, you went through some stuff early on. I mean, this was a a lot of hard work to get to this uh, point where you're at in your career now.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, I feel like one day I need to write a book on uh, <laughs> on my journey to get to where I am today. People wouldn't believe it if I told them how many thousands of things literally, and I mean that literally, had to line up perfectly for me to be here today. And if one was out of place, even through all my persistence and hard work, um, I wouldn't be where I am today and I would be doing something else. So it's
0: been a crazy journey. Yeah, I imagine, and uh, you know those days of early on in your career being forced to you know start and park, which is never fun uh, by any means, you have to deal with, and and uh, where you're at now, I mean that's uh, that's incredible, and uh, so now you you have these, you know, you know we we got about six races left here in these playoffs. Uh, you know what? What do you look at now to finish out, finish out strong here throughout these uh, next couple of weeks? I know you're not in the playoff, obviously, but uh imagine you want to go out on a high note with this uh, go fast team who uh, you've you've been with uh, for a couple of years now.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's what uh, I'm looking forward to, just finishing out season strong for those guys. And I mean, I have a lot of invested interest in that team because we have all built into where it is today together. Um, you know, we're or an uh, underfunded team, but we make the most of what we have, and we've built it into uh, uh, getting some impressive results for uh, what we have to work with, and that's just all coming down to good people, a good family, that owns the team. Um, so, yeah, I just look forward to finishing the season strong and uh, and uh, having fun working with our guys for the rest of the season. And then, uh, obviously, after that, change the years next year.
0: When, when you're an underfunded team, underfunded team like that what's the realistic goal from week to week are you guys uh hoping to get you know some top 20 finishes here and there is it to finish races what a what's realistic for you guys
2: yeah you know we've had a number of top 20s this year which are wonderful like great races for us but top twenty fives are if we finish in the top 25 um, honestly at the end of the day that means we outperformed many teams at multiple times our budget um, and we did our job and then um, so that's kind of in general we shoot for it. It can change week to week and different some tracks we have different expectations. Uh, like Talladega last weekend, you know, we were racing for uh, we were racing up in the top ten until we got turned on the white flag and we had an easy top ten finish there. So uh, uh but yeah in general, you know, top twenty five, top twenty is a great runs for
0: us. Uh coming to uh, Kansas this weekend, Matt, what do you what do you like about the track, man? Uh,
2: Kansas is fun. It's a really fast track. It's beautiful. I actually like the area a lot. Um, it's not out in the middle of nowhere, like tracks in a super nice area, there's lots of good food out there and then uh, the racetrack itself is beautiful, it's super clean, um, just a really, really nice, well laid out place that is, is fast and it's um, developed a lot of character really quick uh, it, you know, the groove, you can move all over the racetrack and search uh, finally the car makes speed, so that's fun for us as drivers
0: Oh, that's great, we're talking to Matt Benedetto right now here on the program uh so so you mentioned uh kansas and some of the food what what are some of the specifics man i gotta know what are you looking for when you when you come to kansas city man
2: oh we'll go to a nice uh little barbecue place of course um have to and uh oh i gotta remember the plant the name of it um but either way there's a barbecue place i always go to and then there's a steakhouse in kansas city that uh my wife and i plan to go to this weekend that's uh that's really good so those are uh I like to map my trips by restaurants. I, I'm a I'm a food connoisseur, and I don't like to eat at chains. I like to find all the best local
0: places. So, where does food wise Kansas City rank compared to every other of the cities on the NASCAR tour? Since we're since we're going this since we're going there anyway, now where where does this rank amongst the uh, the rest of the sport?
2: Oh man, it's definitely in the. Uh, I'd have to say Kansas City's probably in the top five. There's some really good. There's some amazing restaurants out there. There's so many to choose from, and I haven't even hit all of them. Um, so, yeah, Kansas is, is definitely an awesome place to go. And if anyone hasn't gone there and wants to race there, it's a, it's a cool place to go and obviously great places to eat and stay
0: at. Matt, you mentioned uh, your wife. Uh, you, you married her in 2015. Uh, she was a childhood friend of yours. You, you guys grew up together. Uh, that, what's the backstory behind that?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, we actually have known each other since we were, oh goodness, uh, in the 8th grade, 7th or 8th grade is when we met, so, so we've, uh, we've known each other for quite some time, we were just friends, you know, back in middle school and high school, and then we actually ended up uh, dating about a year, a little over a year after uh, we graduated high school, and then obviously the rest is history.
0: Oh my gosh, that's uh, that, that's crazy. That's uh, that's got to be cool and and uh, going these tracks week to week and and everything. What's what's that like on uh, on you guys uh, seeing you know the country and getting to race and everything? Uh, uh, is, is did 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 she know what she was getting into and signing up for? What, what's the journey been like having someone you've grown up with uh, going to all these races and such? Uh,
2: yeah, so she um, she doesn't go to all of them, but she will go to a pretty good handful of the. Uh, the races um the city is actually one of the ones that she's going to she uh, likes the area I like myself, but um but yeah i mean you know the good thing is we've been together so long and the whole time she's known me this is all i've done is race <laughs> i've done it my whole life so she she very knew very well knew exactly what she was getting into and just kind of understands the lifestyle and the busy nature of it and uh, we have to uh, make time for each other you know what you know whenever uh,
0: Whenever we can. So it's, um, she, she's quite the trooper. She's awesome. Matt Benedetto joining us here on the uh, program right now. Matt, what's the one thing people do not know about Matt Benedetto?
2: Um, you know, I, I think some people are surprised to find out. Uh, one, of them, you know, I'm a big, um, workout guy. I like to, uh, you know, exercise and do, uh, Different style workout than most of the drivers. That's I like to uh, do CrossFit and lift weights, things like that. But you know, the biggest thing is I'm a huge car enthusiast, right? and I mean that in like street cars. I like to build some really cool street cars and highly modded uh, cars. So uh, people then have actually found that pretty cool and didn't know that side of me, and they know that I like to race, uh, but I like to build some really cool street street car builds.
0: What are uh, some of the street cars you've built?
2: uh you know i well oh man i've had all kinds of stuff i have a, a gt350 um currently that's got you know quite a few uh mods to it and that's it's really neat and i've shared you know some pictures of it on my uh, uh instagram and stuff um but i've had you know a 900 horsepower uh, corvette in the past and um, my wife has a lexus uh is200 turbo um that is lowered on coilovers and on wheels has carbon fibers that's and a bunch of, uh, you know, tinted windows, smoke tail lights, all kinds of cool stuff. And then um, I really want to get a Lexus RCF uh, next. Um, uh, so that's kind of my, my hope. Uh, and being in the toy the camp, obviously, that will make that make it easier than, <laughs> for me to, to justify getting one of those.
0: Oh, man, that'll be great. That'll be great for you. Uh, competition-wise next year, going over there with having this alliance with Gibbs and everything, we saw what Furniture Road did With having that Gibbs alliance, how much they improved? Are you guys expecting a similar jump to what Furniture Row did a a couple years ago?
2: Um, You know, it's uh, you know I'd say we're in the words of Bob Levine at Levine Family Racing, you know we're we're starting at a different level um, than Furniture Row Racing, so it's hard to compare us directly to them. um, But obviously, we plan to uh, you know build the team into uh, you know into a great. Or even better uh, than it already is, organization and elevated to the next level, uh, whatever that may may be. But you know, you want to check. You have some check check marks that you want to check off. You know, throughout this process, since we are starting at a different point uh, than Furniture Row did. Um, but, you know, one is obviously, all right, we, we we want to be consistently in, say, top 20 or whatever. All right, we want to make the playoffs. You know, that's a checkbox. Uh, all right, we want to win a race. You know, we, we want to be competing up front and competing for wins. And You know, if there's a timeline to all that. You know, and all as a team, teams you are know, together and grow with Toyota and, and the Gibbs Alliance and all that. But uh, we plan on doing that together for sure.
0: Well, Matt, uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. And uh, we'll see you this weekend.
2: All right, thank you.
0: Big thanks to Kyle Larson and Matt Benedetto for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges is back here with you now. Uh, we'll get to our town fullery story of the week coming up here in a few moments. But before we do that, time for our picks segment this week. I am struggling in my picks very badly. I'm, uh, I'm down 13 games from the leader, Billy. But Thomas, for whatever reason, is uh, agreeing with me on most of my picks this week. So, We're going to go
1: perfect. This is the week that we perfected.
0: No one has had a perfect week yet. So,
1: <clears throat> this is the week.
0: This is the week. Um, we, we agree on all but one game. So, we'll, uh, we'll see how we do this week. So, let's go ahead and run through them. We'll, uh, we'll bounce around them. We'll start out with college football picks first. Michigan and Michigan State. The uh, Wolverines are a seven point favorite. Just got off a big win against Wisconsin last week, Tom. They're on the road though against this uh, Michigan State squad, and uh, Michigan State has had their way with Jim Harbaugh since he arrived in uh, Ann Arbor.
1: Yeah, they, you know, definitely has. But I got to go with the Wolverines here. I'm taking the Khakis. They, they killed me last time, but I can't take Michigan State.
0: Uh, I'll go with uh, Michigan as well at that does seven under mark. This is the <laughs> one game you and I disagree on: Oregon at Washington State. The Cougars are a one-point favorite at home against Oregon. Now, this is really cool, Tom. Every every week for about 15 years now, on College Game Day, there's been a Washington State flag show up on the campus, on the site of wherever College Game Day's been at. But in the process... Until last week. They were there last week, too. But they've been there every step of the way, and they've never been to College Game Day before. That changes this week. When they head to Washington State for the Oregon-Washington State game, two top 25 teams, they each have one loss to their record. And, Tom, this is also a playoff elimination game at this point. Uh, The loser of this game, you can pretty much write off.
1: Yeah, pretty much uh, as far as, you know, who potentially comes out of the Pac-12, if they come out of the Pac-12, you know, if anybody does. But, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Washington State because only because it's at home – I picked against Oregon, I believe, last week, and it burnt me. It burnt me. So, I'm going to try it again. I mean, you can't lose twice. Uh, You you know, it's kind of like picking on roulette. You pick red once and lose. You know, go ahead and pick red again because the chances are still 50-50, and that's kind of like this game. I'm
0: going to go with Oregon. I like the momentum. Their offense has been moving the ball really well, Justin Herbert. Looks like a really good quarterback. I'm not a believer in him as an NFL prospect, per se, but uh, he looks like a good college quarterback. Give me the ducks on the road as a one-point underdog to cover that one. Clemson taking on North Carolina State. Uh, Clemson's coming off a bye week, and they've gone through their problems, uh, no doubt. Uh, you know, Of course, Kelly Bryant is going to transfer. Trevor Lawrence was injured for a bit. But coming off a of bye week, this is still a very good football team. Tom, I think this is a great opportunity for Clemson to bounce back against a pretty solid NC State team.
1: They are favored by 17, and I'm almost hesitant to do that. Uh, but I do think they bounce back and beat that NC State team.
0: Yeah, Clemson uh, minus 17. will take them in the points. Mississippi State at LSU. LSU was 7.5-point favorite, or actually 6.5-point favorite against uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State's coming off a bye week. LSU's coming off a big win against Georgia and all the week ago. They lost to uh, Florida a couple weeks ago. I'm, I'm still not sold on Ed Orgeron, but I got to tell you, Tom, he has done some things that uh have been very convincing. Uh, I mean, every time I doubt Ed Orgeron, he always comes back to bite us with some big performance.
1: Yeah, no joke. And after the the Florida loss, we thought, what is LSU doing? Why have they forsaken us? And then they turn around and they beat Georgia. Uh, So is it the time to lose again to Mississippi State? I don't think so. I, I I got the Tigers in Death Valley.
0: I'll go with uh, the Tigers as well. Uh, one more college game for you. Oklahoma taking on TCU. The Horn Frogs lost at home to Texas Tech last week on Thursday Night Football. So they get an extended week to prepare for the Sooners. Sooners coming off a bye week. First game without Mike Stoops as their defensive coordinator going on the road. And the Sooners have not lost back-to-back road games since 1999. I don't expect this to be any different. I like OU on the road uh, as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they, they win and they cover easily. I think OU makes a statement uh, that they're back after the uh, change at defensive coordinator uh, going to Ruffin-McNeil and after that Texas loss down.
1: Yeah, and they had a bye week to get over it. And, and, you know, as many OU fans that were disappointed by traveling to Dallas uh, and for that loss, I think is not maybe not as many. But I think OU fans will show up well uh, after the decision to fire Mike Stoops. I think they'll show up well in Fort Worth. It's really not that far of a drive. wasn't that far of a drive for me. It's definitely not that far from Norman.
0: Yeah, they, uh, they had more fans at the Big 12 title game. Uh, OU fans were there than TCU fans last year, and they were only 20 minutes from TCU's campus. Uh, but I, I think OU did really well, and, and, uh, and they'll cover. So those are our college football picks. this week. All right, time for our NFL picks now. Let's uh, move on, uh, look ahead to the uh, Bengals and the Chiefs. Chiefs, a six-point favorite against Cincinnati this weekend. Look, I love this uh, this Chiefs team this year. They're a whole different team at 5-1 this year than they were at 5-1 at this time a year ago. They put up a great fight against New England. I know that they were on the other side of the outcome against the uh, the Patriots. I get that, but I'm very confident in this team and what they can do. Tom, I feel better about the Chiefs than I do about New England from that matchup on Sunday night. Of, of course I'm taking the Chiefs to cover six at home. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to come out with those jitters like he did uh, against New England uh, on this Sunday night football stage again. He's going to be at home. It's Cincinnati. It's not New England. I think he'll play great, and the uh, Chiefs should win uh, just fine. Six points, I think that's being pretty gracious. I think that they'll probably win this by ten or more.
1: Oh, well, They very well could, and I think the biggest factor is that they are at home. If they did have to play in Cincinnati uh, in the cold, perhaps, then I would be a little hesitant, but they're playing at Arrowhead. Um, <clears throat> I don't see them dropping this game to the Bengals. Uh, I think it will be a good game, but uh, Cincinnati doesn't have the offense, and and I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Kansas
0: City. And I know the Chiefs' defense isn't very good, but I don't think that Andy Dalton is their highest concern of any means, that he's necessarily the toughest. He's not even close to the toughest battle they'll face all year. Um, They'll they'll put together a game plan like they did for Blake Bortles, and they may not force four interceptions and all those sacks they did to Bortles, but Tom – they could possibly have a similar performance uh, to what Bortles put up uh, a couple weeks ago. If if uh, if they can get out that out of Andy Dalton, then uh, this game's going to be over pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, potentially. So you know, Cincinnati does have a good defense, but you're looking at you know Kansas City probably being the the first or the second best offense in the league. So uh, and at home, I, I can't
0: see them losing. Uh, the uh, Saints taking on the Ravens. The Saints are on fire right now. The Saints, of course, uh, had Drew Brees break that passing yard record just a couple weeks ago. The Ravens on the other end are coming off a shutout win against the Tennessee Titans last week. Baltimore's at home. They're a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Tom, this is going to be a really good game. I think it's an underrated matchup. Not a lot of people are talking about this nationally, but I think it's going to be a really good football game of one of the best defenses in the league and one of the best offenses in the league. Something's got to give. Uh, Baltimore two and a half. I like New Orleans. I, I don't think that uh, as good as Baltimore is, I don't think they're going to get enough stops on a Drew Brees and that a New Orleans offense.
1: Oh, and I agree. I, I'm, I'll take the Saints as well. I think uh, the, the Baltimore, all, you know, I'll bet they are a great defensive team. they kind of been up and down. You know, we don't really know what kind of performance we're going to get. They, on one hand, they lose to the Browns, and then the next week out they, you know, Skunk out the Tennessee Titans, uh, who have looked pretty good this season so far. So uh, I'm going to still go with, with Breeze and Kamara to uh, go ahead and win this one, but I do think it's going to be a close game. I, th- I think that's a pretty fair line.
0: Washington taking on Dallas. The game at Washington, they're a one and a half point favorite uh, against this Dallas squad. Look, both these teams uh, are, have been so up and down, and I really. Just don't even want to pick this game because I can't trust either team. Dallas had a great week last week, but what do you know? You know, you know. Eventually, this team is. Uh, it seems like one week they'll score 40, and the next week they'll be lucky to get a field goal of some sorts. Almost uh, just based on the way that offense has gone. You know, Washington's got a good quarterback in Alex Smith, but they just don't have much around him. Um, I, there's no way the Cowboys are gonna play like they did last week. Just no way that's gonna happen again. I tell myself that, and just watch they'll do it. Um, not confident in this game one bit. I'll go with the home team. Give me Washington at one and a half. Who do you got, Tom?
1: Yeah, I also got Washington one and a half. It was if it was in Dallas, I might be picking the other way. But this one's kind of a toss up because, like you said, you can't really trust either team. So I'll go ahead and take the home team as well.
0: Titans taking on the Chargers. Have the Chargers hit their stride this year? They were the favorites to win the AFC West going into 2018, and now they're playing some really good football. Had a blowout win last week uh, against the Browns on the road. The Titans, on the other hand, they looked really good early on, defeating the uh, defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in overtime, but they looked terrible last week getting shut out against uh, the Ravens, as we just mentioned earlier. Chargers are at home, sort of. I mean, it's L.A. still, and they're a six and a half point favorite. Rivers is playing good. I'm gonna go with the hot hand. Uh, I gotta go with the Chargers right now, uh, Tom. Are the Chargers for real?
1: Uh, they're starting to look like it. At first, we, I, I kind of was laughable at kind of how they were playing, and, and you know, for them to win the AFC West now is kind of. I guess it's not out of the question, but it's obviously the. They're Chiefs, only one game Chiefs back right now. now. You know, that is true. I'd still take the Chiefs to win that division, but the Chargers, you know, they're going to put up a fight. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and take the Chargers in this one, too. I don't know how Tennessee will bounce back, but the Chargers are looking real hot right now. I,
0: I think the Chiefs are looking at about 12 or 13 wins, and I think the Chargers could find their way in as a wild card, maybe at 10 or 11 wins. Uh, if they, I think that's fair. If they keep playing the way they do. I don't think they can win the division, but I very well could see the Chargers being a 10 or 11-win football win football team uh, if they continue playing play like they do. Last one, New England taking on Chicago. This is going to be a fun matchup, I think. I know that Chicago doesn't have much of an offense with Trubisky and company, but just the idea of having Tom Brady take on Khalil Mack, the best defensive player in the National Football League, going up against the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, I mean, they're going to have some double teams. They're going to do everything they can because uh, this matchup, it, it, it's Mac versus Brady. It's what it is. I I—I mean, every offensive possession for the Patriots is going to be intriguing in this game just to see how these two fare. Um, look, I think Chicago's on the right direction. They're on the way up. There's a lot of positive things, but uh, I don't think they have the offensive horsepower to hang Uh, with New England Uh, I got New England on the road at a three and a half I think they can win by a touchdown maybe you know like 27 20 or something like that Um, it's going to be lower scoring than it was a week ago against Kansas City Uh, but it should still be a good test for this uh, New England team Tom Chicago probably won't win this game but they are much improved from a year ago
1: they sure do look like it and at first I wasn't a believer in Trubisky or Trubisky however you want to say his name um, Mitchell, but after seeing him, yeah, it was after seeing him this year, uh, he's making a believer out of me. To beat Tom Brady, though, not probably happening. Um, I do think it's going to be close, like you said. I would say twenty-seven, seventeen, uh, but who knows? It is, uh, it is at Soldier
0: Field, and uh, anything can happen there. All right, those are our picks for this week. A uh, look at the uh, standings, real quick. Not looking too great for uh for yours truly as uh i am in last place at 10 games under five hundred and, and 40 billy's in the lead at 43 and 27 tom you struggled the last couple of weeks but you're still 10 games above 500 at 40 and 30 um that's ten dollars up right now uh derek is uh in third at 33 uh, 37 and 33 and then nolan's there at 33 and uh, 37 so those are the standings right now tom uh you and i have very similar picks we only disagree on one game, so this has got to be our turnaround week. Uh, we're, we're we're depending on each other. Our success depends on each other, Tom.
1: That's what it's starting to feel like. I feel like for the past couple, of weeks we picked pretty much the same ten games, uh, minus maybe one or two.
0: Yeah, and it uh, hasn't really worked out the last couple of weeks. Has it? No, excited. it hasn't. <laughs> no, so we need uh, we need to turn around the week this week. Uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, before we get out of here today, uh, let's go ahead and get to our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, we went back and forth on what to do with the story because we had so many good options, but ultimately this story had to be the story for Tom Fullery. It, it, there's a... There's quite the selection process. I mean, we, we go through quite the vetting for these stories, uh, but ultimately this one was superior.
1: Yeah, it was, and, and <clears throat> it's coming out of uh, Alabama this week. So I don't think we've been uh, – I don't think we've had a story from Alabama in quite some time, honestly. It's coming from Parrish, Alabama, and, and they do something that I didn't really understand or know that this was an actual thing. Jones did you know that there are states that take other states like waste like city sewage did you know that they they cargo train like cargo train sewage from other states and take it to other states dumps did you know that
0: no that is not my area of expertise
1: no it's not mine either but I still had no idea that this was an even thing so the article reads uh, this is from NBC news mean uh, it reads, stranded New York City poop train has small-town Alabamian stinking map. Um, <laughs> oh,
0: I guess nice play on It words. does look like
1: this happened a while ago. This was this year, but it, it, this was a while back. But it was on news today. So uh, it reads, Parish Alabama has been forced to endure a trainload of human waste after the stinky cargo was stranded on its way to a landfill two months ago. Okay, so... Um, that just sounds, just sounds terrible. They're calling it the poop train. Um, a stinking train load of human waste from New York city is stranded in a tiny Alabama town, spreading a stench like a giant backed up toilet. The poop train is just the latest example of the South being used as a dumping ground for other States waste in Parrish, Alabama population 982, The sludge hauling train cars have set idle near the little league baseball fields for more than two months. Mayor Heather Hall said. The smell is unbearable, especially around dusk after the atmosphere has become heated. Oh my goodness, it's just a nightmare, she said. It smells like rotting corpses or carcasses. It smells like death. All kinds of waste have been dumped in Georgia, Alabama, and other southern states in recent years, including toxic coal ash from power plants around the nation, in South Carolina, a plan to store radioactive nuclear waste in a rural area prompted complaints that the state was being turned into a nuclear dump. In parish townspeople are considering rescheduling children's softball games or playing at other fields in other communities to escape the stink. Sherylane Pike, who lives about a half mile from the railroad tracks, said she sometimes dabs peppermint oil under her nose because the smell is so bad. Would New York City like for us to send all our poop up there forever, she said. They don't want to dump it in the rivers, but I think each state should take care of their own waste. Alabama's inexpensive land and permissive zoning laws and a federal ban on dumping New Yorkers' excrement in the ocean. Got the... one a second, I just loaded. Um, Got the poop train chugging, experts say. Uh, yeah, so Nelson Brook of the environmental group Black Warrior Riverkeeper describes Alabama as a kind of an open door rubber stamp permitting place for landfill operators. It's easy for them to zip into rural or poor communities instead of shop and start making a ton of cash. Uh, Jones, I would be pretty pissed <laughs> <laughs> if I live by a literal moving waste.
0: Oh my gosh! That'd be pretty like, heated. That that's disgusting. That is really gross. Um, it, it reminds me, Tom, I mean, I- of the uh, <laughs> out by the Arkansas River in uh, Tulsa. That uh, that plant by the car dealerships. I mean, that just smells horrible out there. Oh yeah, it's terrible.
1: And and imagine this. They I get it. If it's coming through town, if it's moving through town, it's just kind of like the stockyards. It smells like poop. Uh, they can just, you know, it's only there for a little bit and it just rolls through, and then the smell can kind of, kind of continue. Yeah, with the train, but this, this train set idle set there for two months in the Alabama heat, just cooking up.
0: Oh, two months that they is couldn't take awesome. care of it. If it was there for a week,
1: okay. It was there for eight weeks.
0: That is awful. That uh, that's bad. Uh, no wonder. Uh, Joe Dirt thought that that, uh, that asteroid, that he found an asteroid and it was actually poop when we got poop that's that old and that warm and stuff just sitting around.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine, um, that even being remotely close to my house. I think they could sue. I I don't know exactly what the term would be, but I think they could sue.
0: Yeah. I bet they could. Uh, they could sue and get something. I, I, there, there might be some clause of some sorts that gets them out of that. But like, that's going to affect your property value and all that stuff.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I get it. It's a town of less than a thousand people, but at the same time, there's still people, and no one should be subjected to two month old waste sitting in Alabama heat. That's just cruel.
0: Oh, that's that's terrible. Um, that's that's horrible. That, uh, that you have to deal with that and have uh, that much uh, just crap uh, sitting around you and dealing with you. That would be a, a horrible thing to, uh, to endure. Tom, what, what are some bad things that you would, like, not want around your house that uh, that would maybe, like, bring up a smell of some sorts? Obviously, you know, this, this poop thing would be up there. What are some other ones that come to mind? Mm,
1: the poop one obviously has to be up there. Um, I would not want to live by like a slaughterhouse, uh, by any means, anything where animals are dying. I feel like the waste of them could just be off putting, um, maybe not near like, uh, I'm trying to think not like near a beehive. I know they don't, they kind of stick locally, but I I wouldn't want a lot of bees around, you know, they say bees are good, but I don't want a lot of bees around me. I'm not allergic by any means, but I'm not, I'm not trying to live amongst the bees, you know?
0: I know this, this doesn't uh, have not, to do, this doesn't have to do with smell, but I would never want to live around railroad tracks.
1: Yeah, it would be extremely loud.
0: All the time.
1: Could you imagine living close, like, could you imagine living towards Claremore with all those railroad tracks?
0: My aunt lives literally next to railroad tracks, and I don't know how she does it. Um, that's oh a, yeah, it
1: would sound like a tornado coming through at night, and they come. You know, they always come like later at night, and they always. I, I'm pretty sure they're obligated to blow their whistle, and it's just so loud. And it would be. I'm sure you'd get used to it after a while. But that's what she. I wouldn't. That's not what be, she, she got
0: used to it pretty quickly, uh, after after a while of living over there. What if Tom? Now here's a nightmare for you. What if you had to live somewhere close to? you know, this, this poop or whatever. And it was by railroad tracks.
1: Oh yeah. It would be, you would hear the poop train coming down and you would just know that the smell would be bad.
0: Oh, like you would never want to be home ever. You do, you find every excuse not to come home.
1: I mean, you'd be out back grilling and then all of a sudden the poop train comes to, it would just ruin it. It would ruin everything.
0: And the the fact is not to, that not to a, mention New York City's
1: poop, which I imagine smells worse than the average state.
0: Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, and, and the train of the uh, of this poop, like that, can't be very sanitary either. No,
1: because you know it has to leak.
0: It has to. I mean, it has to.
1: There's it metal corrodes there. I mean, especially with God knows what inside. It has to leak. I know. It. it doesn't... It can't not leak.
0: Would you have Andrew. ever... Would you have ever wanted to be like uh, Mike Rowe and Dirty Jobs? I felt like he had to no. deal with a lot of poop.
1: Yeah, no. They, there's not a whole lot. I mean, it'd have to be an exorbitant amount of money uh, for them to make me haul that. Could you imagine the train operator who has to deal with that 24-7? Haul that around?
0: Is is there? Is that worth doing like is there any amount of money okay. that's worth doing that i don't know
1: i'm sure they would get used to the smell but i'm sure they would smell terrible when they got home
0: oh I my couldn't gosh do it. I,
1: I wonder if mike rose has done that as a dirty job like can you imagine you have to hook up the trail cars you have to be at the site to receive the waste right and then you have to hold that train all the way down to alabama or however it gets there it, to get on the train, Tom, and then it, you have to empty it. Whoever has to empty ooh. it into the landfill. Oh God, I, I'm sure they've been covered with it before.
0: Tom, it, it sounds pretty crappy to me.
1: It is a pretty crappy job, literally.
0: But somebody's got to do it.
1: Yeah, so, yeah that's so that's right. Somebody's got to.
0: Yeah, uh, we're we're just having to, you know, carry New York on our backs. Uh, the rest of America is, and uh, do you know the, do their they're dirty work for them, um, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness. That is a wild story and uh, and gross. I feel like I need to take a shower after that story. Um, after yeah. hearing that one. I just feel gross. Uh, you know, Get me a hot shower right now with all the old spice you got in there um, after hearing that one. Anyways... That does it for today's edition of the Jones Report. Big thanks to Kyle Larson and Matt Benedetto for joining us. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. In the meantime, you can uh, listen to the show and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. And uh, also, we have a new platform, which is Tom? Spotify. Spotify. Subscribe there. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. We have a perfect rating on iTunes right now of 5 out of 5, so let's keep it that way. Don't give us any 4s or 3s or any of that, no 2s, no 1s, just keep us at 5. Let's keep our perfect record. Tom, my my Uber rating is like just below 5 stars, and it pisses me off that somebody thought I wasn't a 5-star rider. At, At least one or two people thought I wasn't.
1: Yeah, that's like me. I think mine's a four point nine six, and I just kind of want to know what I did to receive a four or less. I was probably drunk and probably was being dumb.
0: Honestly, I want to know who uh, it was. That's the other thing too. Why can't you tell me which driver it was that rated me, you know, uh, a four or whatever?
1: Yeah, I always rate my drivers a five. Like yeah. if it's just a decent ride, I'll you know if it's not bad, then I'm gonna give you a five and expect one in return.
0: I don't think I've ever not rated anybody a five. If I if it was pretty bad, if I didn't like it, then I'd just not rate them. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Leave us. Keep giving us the five stars, uh, and a follow us on social media: Twitter.com, uh, at Tyler Jones Live at tw- Twitter.com, By the way, um, you know, do, do you like websites? Check out Twitter.com. You can find us there at Tyler Jones Live at Thomas underscore Bridges at TJ Media Group. Facebook forward slash Tyler Jones Live and Tyler Jones Media Group. You can find us there and uh, check out all our shows. All of our shows are available on demand 24-7, 365, and uh, our older shows will uh, continue to build through that uh, archive. So if you miss an episode, you can go back and see some of the older ones uh, as a, from this point going forward. So that's really good news. Glad to share that with you guys, and I'm glad that we can do that. Uh, Tom, thanks uh, for hanging out with me today, and uh, you, the listener, for hanging out with us as well. For Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long, have a great day, and uh, we'll see you right back here next week here on The Jones Report. So long, everybody.
2: The Jones Report. Fuck yeah.